0: It really wasn't that long ago, maybe just a few years ago, that it seemed like every super expensive commercial during the Super Bowl was a cryptocurrency ad of some kind. Remember that? It was a big deal and a lot of money was being made by certain people. And then we started to get the downfall, right? Story after story of some crypto person being busted or hunted by law enforcement authorities. Well, our next guest has been writing extensively about this. Andy Greenberg is with us, senior writer on hacking cybersecurity and surveillance for Wired and author of Tracers in the Dark, the global hunt for the crime lords of cryptocurrency. Andy, thanks for
1: being with us. Good morning. Good to be here.
0: Andy, do you think the tide has turned now on the idea of these people pushing cryptocurrency being the next
1: big thing? Well, you know, there's always—I've actually written about cryptocurrency, believe it or not, since 2011, when Bitcoin was worth one dollar. Now, please don't ask me if I bought any at the time. I don't want <laughs> yeah, to.
0: Let's not I, get into that. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: But it, you know, but Bitcoin has gone up and down. It has crashed and it has risen to like dizzying heights again. And it, you know, I, I I'm kind of agnostic on whether it's a good investment. But I have seen, of course, like terrible scams occur over the years. What I've written about and what I've always been focused on is really not even about like that kind of financial scumminess of the crypto world, but really the straight up crime that cryptocurrency is used for, uh, because you know, not you know, it, it is this this thing you can gamble on. But it also was once perceived, I think people may um, still sometimes think this even, that perceived as a kind of anonymous or untraceable cash for the Internet that you could basically like put these unmarked bills in a briefcase and send them across the Internet to anyone in the world without revealing your identity. And that seemed like, you know, it, it, it actually did, in fact, um, result in this whole new world of underground dark web crime. And that's really what I've always covered as a reporter.
0: Okay, and where do you think, at what point did the tide start to turn? Was there one particular case, one story where you think, okay, this might be the beginning of something here?
1: Well, it was really back in 2013 that, you know, that was the kind of peak of this idea of Bitcoin as this untraceable cash for the internet. And it was being used by dark web markets, like dark web sites, like the Silk Road, which was this this underground market that traded in hundreds of millions of dollars worth of illegal drugs, I mean, heroin, cocaine, meth, all for Bitcoin. And law enforcement seemed unable to follow the money or to do anything to take down this site. Uh, it seemed like Bitcoin was working as this kind of you know perfect crime cash for the internet. And then this researcher came along named Sarah Mickeljohn, this 27 year old graduate student at Uni- University of California, San Diego. And she started to look at closer at the blockchain, which, you know, it, it, this, this sounds a bit ridiculous in retrospect, but the blockchain is actually a list of every Bitcoin transaction that has ever taken place. So how could you possibly think that it was anonymous? The, the only reason people did was because these transactions are listed between not names or identifiers or any kind of personal information, but between these long strings of garbled kind of you know encoded addresses. And Sarah was the first to show that despite that, you could still start to find patterns in this massive you know really like a list a ledger of every transaction that is recorded in the blockchain copied out to thousands of computers around the world cannot be changed or erased she started to find ways to to identify people to connect them to those bitcoin addresses to cluster the addresses to show that like sometimes dozens or hundreds or thousands belong to a single person or to a you know even to a dark web market like the silk road and to follow the money and show law enforcement that it was possible to start busting people in this crypto economy.
0: Okay, and then what happened?
1: Well, I mean, Sarah Michelchon just published a paper about this in in late 2013. And I think it was, you know, even then, I think that the the kind of dark web criminals didn't take this seriously, didn't fully understand the degree to which they were at that point doing drug deals in full public view. Um, You know, I even as a reporter did some test transactions where I bought I think it's okay to say this in 2024. I bought some small amounts of marijuana from dark web markets just to see how it worked, to prove it could be done. And Sarah traced my drug deals and showed that she could see them right there on the blockchain. That I had done illegal, you know, deals in public view that anybody could see. And sure enough, like the next over the next years, there was this massive crackdown, which is really the subject of my book. I mean, it's a it's a detective story about these crypto tracing detectives who used. Sarah's techniques, in fact, um, some of them were built into this, this tool um, called Chainalysis, a company that is now worth $9 billion uh, that sold crypto tracing services to law enforcement. And sure enough, you know, starting in 2014, well, first of all, the Silk Road was taken down. Then uh, the, this, this heist of half, uh, or rather 650,000 bitcoins worth half a billion dollars at the time, far more now, that was solved with cryptocurrency tracing and traced to these Russian cyber criminals. Then the biggest dark web market in history, 10 times the size of the Silk Road, was taken down through cryptocurrency tracing. Uh, This guy was identified running the market in Bangkok, and he was arrested in this incredibly elaborate bust that I detail in the book. And then finally, the kind of climax of the story, I would argue, although it's continuing in many ways, is that this dark web child sexual abuse materials Market, what we used to call child porn market, was busted through cryptocurrency tracing. And not only was the administrator arrested in Korea, but hundreds of pedophiles around the world were traced through these these techniques and arrested. 337 men in dozens of countries around the world and 23 children were rescued as a result of this operation.
0: Andy, what's really remarkable about all this is the the way you just described it is that everybody thought that this was untraceable, right? The people who were buying it and trading in this world, the law enforcement people, until somebody said, "Uh, actually, no, it's not. And then everything changed.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it was absolutely it was a it was a sea change in people's idea of how, you know, uh, anonymous finance can happen on the on the dark web. Basically, you know, people were thinking they were operating in the dark and then suddenly the lights were turned on. But the amazing thing about the blockchain is that even once, you know, the I, I, I guess like, the you know, I guess you could say the cockroaches scatter when the lights turn on. All the evidence is still there it re- recorded forever in the blockchain and cryptocurrency tracers, you know, law enforcement agencies are still going back to the blockchain to, to dig out right. this evidence and, and prosecute people even today.
0: Oh, amazing. Andy, thank you so much for telling us about it this morning.
1: Oh, well, thanks so much. I appreciate you talking about it.
0: That's fascinating. That's Andy Greenberg. Andy's a senior writer on hacking cybersecurity and surveillance for Wired magazine. But the book is called Tracers in the Dark, The Global Hunt for the Crime Lords of Cryptocurrency. And what a fascinating story it tells.